Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us for this time today. We hope that this message will encourage you, build your faith, and help you thrive with God and thrive in life. Now to the message. We're in a series we are calling The Way of the Shepherd. The Way of the Shepherd. And in the Bible, there are so many instances of um, shepherds, of sheep, so, talking about it so much. So many um, main people like Moses, he was a shepherd. There were sheep. So there was, there's so many like people in the Bible that are shepherds. And we've been walking through a well-known psalm, Psalms 23, um, uh, verse by verse, and looking at it. And Psalms 23 really is, it's pro- you might know it. You pr- if you've grown in the Christian church, you've probably known it. It is a very um, well-known um, verse. And maybe you've done like I've done before. Is when you read it, like you get to, you're like reading it, it's Psalms 22. And you know Psalms 23, so you skip it. Or you like read past because it's so well-known. But just because it's so well-known, it's actually, it is so significant and powerful. Because it illuminates It illuminates God's relationship with us and the depth of his care. It illuminates, it shows us in Psalms 23 as we walk through it, how how God cares for us and we see God's character. And how does that impact your life? Well, if you know how God is responding, how sees you, it changes how you can live. It changes when you know that God's character. Now, Jesus, we talked about last week, he calls himself the good shepherd. Now, just because you have a, just because you have a, a, a staff and some sheep does not make you good. It is how you care for the sheep that makes you a good shepherd. Or you just might be, if someone says, I'm a shepherd, and there's no good on there, that just means they just watch the sheep. They don't care. But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Why? Because he cares. And so Psalms 23 really is a prophetic um, psalm that actually writes about um, Jesus, the good shepherd, the things to come. And now today, actually what we have and we can walk in. And it's, it, it's, it was written by King David. King, Holy Spirit inv- uh, uh, gave King David uh, to write this Psalms. And, and King David, before he was king, he was a shepherd. He watched his father's sheep and he was a shepherd. So he knew shepherding very well. Right, He knew the ins and outs of sheep. He knew the message. So when he's writing, the Lord is my shepherd, and throughout the, the passages, he intimately knew what he was writing about. And there was even more meaning to what he was writing because he was a shepherd. It'd be like if you're a plumber. The Lord is my plumber. I am his, I don't know. <laughs> I do not have to worry about Polly B. He comes to, um, okay. Anyways. Uh, So Psalms 23, it says this. Psalms 23, it says this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. So that's what we talked about last week. Then he goes on, he says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell 
in the house of the Lord forever. Now we dove in last week of verse 1 and 2, and we're going to continue on and build upon that uh, this week uh, with verse 3. But Natalie and I, something that we've done in the past and we do, is uh, we refinish uh, furniture. We restore furniture. Uh, sometimes it's in our house. Sometimes we, we have in the past. We've flipped it. And when you find furniture, oftentimes there's nicks, there's chips in it, there's, uh, it's rough from life, just from, from use. And you can do, do two things. You can totally restore it. Um, and that takes, it's a process. Like it's, you sand that down to the natural wood grain. You do like wood filler where there's chips in it. You, you um, clean the hardware. Then you stain it again. Then you seal it again. And it's a process. It takes time. It takes a bit of skill, and it takes a lot of care. And, and so we can do that, or there's another way to restore um, furniture and restore. I use it loosely, and that's where you can just slap some paint on it over it for a fast fix and a, fast, uh, and a quick fix. And uh, it will take a little bit of time, uh, and, but with a little bit of use, the, chip, the paint will start to chip you look closer, you still see the cracks. It's not the same as if you go through the process of restoration. There's one thing that can be a Band-Aid cover. You paint it over or then you restore it. One takes skill, time, and care. One is a quick fix that will be good for a moment. Just no one touch it, no one look at it, and then it breaks. Um, I think in our society, anxiousness weariness, being burnt out, being rest, uh, restless is prevalent. That throughout our, our society, that that is very prevalent. And I think there are quick fixes that we can do. Quick fixes that we can quickly do that for a weary soul. Do you know what I mean? When you're tired, when you're worn out, you can, maybe, maybe yours, and th this is a good thing, is it, maybe it's food. Ooh, like, I, oh, it's been a day. I need made by Marcus. Um, maybe, that's ice cream, by the way. It is so good. Um, maybe it's, um, you just work for the weekend. You live, you hustle, just for those two days, right? And that's where. Maybe it's retail therapy, like, oh, it's been a week. I, like, all right, let's go prime. Um, or maybe it's Netflix. It's like, I just need to disconnect. Maybe it's a spa day, like, I need just some me time. That's good. Maybe it's vacation. That whole year you work for those two weeks to be off where I can go somewhere else and remove. Now, some of those things we might call self-care. And uh, self-care is good. But on its own, I think it's like paint, where it's a temporary fix, but as you go throughout life, pretty soon that will chip. Self-care, it's good, but the problem is, is if, it, if, if that is the only part of the process, it's not going to last. You think about it. You watch Netflix to distract yourself, you wake up the next morning, there your problems are again. You go to the spa, you put your stuff in the locker, you do spa things, I don't know. And then you come back and you go to the locker and there is a text on your phone and all that relaxation that you just had is gone, right? Or maybe you go on vacation and you fly away somewhere where you don't even have to lift a finger. You just sit there and it is so good. But then as soon as you get back on the plane, you start to feel it again. 
you feel that anxiousness again. Let's be real. If you fly through Pearson Airport, you probably are feeling anxious then too. And and you start to feel it. So self-care alone does not restore my my soul. It, it, It doesn't, it might do, it might cover for a time, but alone, it doesn't restore to make what was broken to how it was before, right? I think anything we do on our own or in our own power, it'll only last for so long. But in Psalms 23, verse three, it says this. It says, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. See, that's what, what the good shepherd, Jesus, does. The good shepherd restores the weary soul, the anxious soul, the burnt out soul, not to cover it up like there is nothing here or like what's going on? Well, bless God, brother, nothing's going wrong and you're shoving it down. That's not actually what God has. See, he's actually, he's a restorer of your soul. See, the good shepherd, Jesus, he leads us in a process of, with his skill, his time, and his great care to restore your soul. So that you can, have you ever had where there's like just anxiousness and it's hard to like catch a breath? Maybe, maybe it's quite literally physically or maybe it's mentally. It's just, just you feel it, you feel it, you feel it. I believe how, how the Lord would restore your soul is so that you can breathe again. That you can breathe again. And it, it starts out with, as this, this psalm started out with, when the Lord is your shepherd, and a shepherd is one who cares for his sheep. So am I allowing God to care for me, or am I let, allowing other things or myself to care for me? See, when we allow him to be our shepherd, he will lead us in his process of restoration. You know, part of um, part of Jesus' restoration process is actually what we talked about last week. In Psalms 23, verse 2, it says this. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And we talked about last week how, now let's be real. I'm from Calgary, so I had no, I had no idea about sheep before doing all this research, reading so many books. And um, yeah, it, it is what it is. I learned a ton. But sheep don't just lie down, I found out. That sheep actually need the right conditions to lie down. If they do, do not, they stand on their feet all day and they do not lie down. They need this. They need to be a safe and secure to rest. And this is what's provided by the shepherd. And so our good shepherd does this. Jesus does this. So we talked about last week how sheep need these four things. They need a present shepherd. And, and God says that Jesus is, his, is our ever-present help in time of need. He is present, he is always present, and he is there in your time of need. Sheep also need to remove uncertainty or any chance or any danger of harm, or else they just stay watching, looking out for number one, buying away and freaking out. But Jesus, he also did the same thing. He actually gave a certainty for eternity. That, that, that all who call upon the name of the Lord are saved. That you now have certainty for your salvation. You now have certainty for your eternity. And you also have certainty now. 
That actually, um, John 10, 10, Jesus says that I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. There's certainty in him in an uncertain world because he doesn't change. The third thing is apparently sheep need to know that they have a place and belong in the flock. And we too have a place in eternity. Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place and we have a place right now on this earth, in this life, that is the church. And the fourth thing that we said was to get rid of pests. And uh, we talked about how um, they actually, how they would get rid of pests is they'd pour oil in the old biblical times, pour oil on sheep and it'd run over their face because what would happen is pests would go inside their nose and lay eggs and they would have, it's gross, right? And internal, these bugs would grow in there and everything. So they'd pour oil over and so that they'd get rid of pests and these pests wouldn't grow. And holy, that the Holy Spirit has now been poured out upon us. So those internal pests that were there before will not be there anymore. So Jesus is a good shepherd. He creates that safe and secure place for you and I to rest our souls. That we can find rest by restful waters and to feed in green pastures, if you will. And the process really is this, is, is following the good shepherd who will lead you to a place of rest and restoration. You know, something we actually call self-care now, like it's sort of a buzzy word, is self-care. Um, like having days of rest, like having, um, like eating right, um, having healthy rhythms of life. Like a YouTuber didn't just come up with this in 2020. Like this is actually was God's plan for the world. Like God actually had in the Ten Commandments, rest! Like it was actually a, like a command, rest and worship. So actually part of the following Jesus, part of that is actually having those healthy rhythms of life. And that is, um, that is, that is, that was God's idea because we're designed that way. So as we walk with Jesus, following him, he restores our souls. There's actually an account of this in the Bible where Jesus restored souls where they were broken, where they were hopeless, where they were weary, where they, they had expectations and it just crashed. It crashed. They had expectations, but yet Jesus took them quite literally on a process or a journey to restore their souls. So Jesus, it, it's in Luke, but Jesus actually, he this is after he died on the cross, he was buried, then, then they went to the tomb and they found, hey, like to anoint him with spices and oils, and he was not there. So these disciples, they know this. There's two followers of Jesus, and they know this, that he is not there. And so now they are on a road uh, to Emmaus, and they now know there is no, like, they're, they're, they're just, they're, they're sad. It actually says in the scripture that they're sad. Their, their hope is gone. They are devastated. In, in Luke, they're hopeless, they're troubled, they're distraught. And we see that, that they actually walk on this road. So in Luke 24, verse 13, it says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which it was seven miles from Jerusalem more kilometers. They talked uh, together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they were, um, while they conversed 
and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near. So this is Jesus resurrected, um, drew near with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. So in other words, they didn't realize this was Jesus. And Jesus said this. He said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? So they're having conversation with one another and you can tell that they are hopeless, they are sad, they are discouraged, and, and there is something wrong. And then, then they say this, they say, then the one whose name was uh, uh, Clopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened um, there in these days? And Jesus said, and he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deeds and words before God and all people. And the, and the chief priests of our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucify him. Now check this out. This is, this is key. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, all this today is the third day since these things happened. Did you catch that? We were hoping. We once had hope, now we do not. Their soul was hopeless. They were weary, they were disappointed. And what did Jesus do? Did he just say to them, guys, I'm here, get over it. No, scripture actually tells us he continues to walk with them all the way seven miles to their destination. And what is he doing? Is he's actually taking them through a process of restoration. See, he's, he's taking the time to care for them. He's not just saying, get over it. I thought you were Christian, suck it up. I'm here. He instead walks with them. He cared for them and took them through a process. And we actually see what the process is. He used his skill or his ability. We see actually in Luke uh, 24, verse 27, that, that as they're walking, he says this, he actually, and, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So in other words, he took the time Jesus, the good shepherd, took the time to explain to them what would just happen and why it should be. So in other words, he took them in a process to understand. He took them in a process to get there. He was willing to um, explain the prophecies, to, and he went to that place seven miles away, and he stayed with them. And the scripture actually says then that their eyes were opened that their eyes were open. So Jesus quite literally went on a seven mile process. Once they got to this town, they said, hey, do you mind staying a little bit longer? He stayed a little bit longer and talked to them. And following and walking with Jesus actually caused this. In Luke um, 24, 32, it says this. In Luke 24, verse 32, it says this. So after Jesus had left, and then they were like, I think that, that was Jesus. And they said this. They said, and they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened up the scriptures to us? You could also say, did not hope reignite within us as he talked? 
So they were going hopeless. Jesus took them on a journey in his care, giving time, and brought them to a place again of restoration, where their hope was restored, where a weary soul was restored. He took the time to care for them. And that is Jesus. He is the good shepherd. And he cares for you. That he walks alongside with us. And that as we walk through this process, he restores our soul. You know, that is, that's actually who God is. He is a restorer. That is who God is, a restorer. Think of it. He restored uh, the relationship between God and mankind. He restores relationships here on earth. The Bible describes him as a restorer of time. He restores broken and weary souls. But when, when Jesus restores, it's not just restoring back to how it was. He restores to better then. Because you think of this, is, is that, that Jesus now, he restored, he fulfilled a covenant. Now that today we have a covenant with God that is actually a better covenant, Scripture says, founded on better promises. See, he didn't just restore and be like, okay, you guys are good, I'm out here. He made a better covenant that now today we can walk in. And I believe as you walk with him, that he will restore your soul. And let's be real, it's a process. Sometimes it can happen right away, but sometimes it's a process where you walk with him, you work with him, you watch how he does things, he, he restores your soul. And from that, I think he actually restores it to even better. Now it goes on to the next part. It says that he leads me in paths of righteousness. So he, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Something about shepherds, it's super cool. Like we talked about last week that shepherds don't go behind their sheep in, in biblical times and go behind and drive them. Like, come on, come on. Instead, they walk in front and they lead. So it's an amazing thing to see is one, one shepherd and a hundred sheep behind them just following. But know what is not amazing is if the, the shepherd does not know where he's going. <laughs> that would be not good. If you're like, I don't know where I'm going. And, and you're leading all these hundred sheep and you don't know. But see, the good shepherd, a good shepherd needs to know where the green pastures are, where the green pastures are, and there's a right path to it. And see, God has a path for you, a right path, a righteous path to lead you to the things that he has for you. Like Jeremiah 29, 11 says, is that he has good plans for you, a hope, a future, that he has good plans. And he has not just good plans, he has a path to get you there. But it's only the good shepherd that will lead you in paths of righteousness. Because what God has for you is better than what any of us can imagine. Better than what any of us can, if we had a brainstorming session, you bring your ideas, I bring my ideas, we'll bring a cool whiteboard, and God's ideas are better. And why does he do this? Because he cares for us, and as well, for his namesake. To uphold his name who he is, his character, that he is the healer, he is the restorer, he is the good shepherd, that he is your provider. He does it to uphold his name. Now, in, in, my, 
in like all my research and readings and, and everything like this, um, I found out that shepherds have to often move their sheep from pasture to pasture. There's like green pasture over here, and then what the sheep do is they eat it right down to the little little nubs of grass, and there is no more nutrition. So they have to move their sheep. Um, why? So that they can move on to the next thing. And in my mind, like when I'm thinking of shepherds and like moving to pastures, I sort of think of like, everywhere grassy meadows and like the shepherd is just sort of like skipping along and like leading them for like from one grassy thing to another and it's good but David knew something in writing from his experience and where he lived and something that maybe you don't know and what I didn't know but discovered is that in in Israel and the surrounding areas, sometimes in order to get from a green pasture here to a green pasture over here, in between, there were, there were some barren valleys. There were valleys that were not, that had nothing there. There was no water. There was no trees. It was desolate, maybe rocky, maybe sandy. And in order for the shepherd, a good shepherd, to bring their sheep from what was once green over here to now what is green over there, he had to actually lead them through a valley that was barren to get to the green pasture on the other side. That, that, and I think David had this in his mind when he wrote um, verse 3 and 4 when he said, he, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now in the past when I've read this, I sort of read um, verse 3. And then I stop and I'm like, and he's done with that thought. Now he's moving on to another topic of like the really bad valleys of shadow of death. This doesn't sound good. Um, and, and I think that, okay, um, this, is, this is two different thoughts. But actually, he's talking about the same thing, the same process. That at times, the righteous or right path will actually lead you through the valley of the shadow of death why? To bring you to the other side. That is not separate. That sometimes paths of righteousness will cause you to walk through the valley of the shadow of death so you can get to the green pasture. That you can get to the other side. Um, the valley of the shadow of death, I think it really represents one of, uh, one, uh, a couple things. The first one is this, is that great challenging or uh, adversarial times. I think of Israel. When, is, when God delivered Israel out of slavery, they're delivered out of slavery. Uh, Moses, right? Let my people go. And then eventually he did. Then uh, they led, God led them by a cloud by day, fire by night, and he led them where? To the Red Sea. And they're there, and behind them, all of a sudden, oh my, are Egyptians, the whole Egyptian army, chariots and all, no goodbye gift, they're coming to kill them. And so they're literally between a sea and the Egyptians, quite literally in a valley of a shadow, they're in the shadow of death, it's coming towards them. And what happened is then God was with them. 
He opened up the Red Sea. They walked through. Bible says they, they didn't even get their shoes wet. And they walked through. But what were they into next? The wilderness, the desert. And God led them through all the way. But they went to that process through the wilderness. They went to the Red Sea. But who led them there? God. God actually led them through that. Why? Because what was on the other side? They needed to leave captivity, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, through where they were between, a between the, the Red Sea and Egyptians, then uh, from where there was the desert to the promised land, God led them. Sometimes I, I honestly, I thought, if I'm going through tough times, God's like, what am I doing wrong? But I think sometimes it's that actually God is leading you through the other side and a good shepherd leads you to green pastures. And sometimes you need to go through or walk through the valley of the shadow of death in order to get to the green pastures. It would actually be a not a good shepherd to just leave you at a place where there was no more green, where everything was eaten uh, to nubs. And so God brought them to the Red Sea and brought them through it. God brought them uh, to the desert and brought them through it. Why? So that they could walk into the promised land. See, there, the, the, there are times a shepherd leads his flock through seemingly, what seems to, I'm sure, to the sheep like, this is not a good idea. I'm a sheep, but this is not good. And, and you walk through, but the shepherd has a plan. And it's what? For what's on, it's not the desert. It's not, it's not the valley, it's what's on the other side. So we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death because God is actually leading us and we can fear no evil to get to the other side. And I believe the Lord, he will lead you um, through. But let me be clear here. God does not lead you through sickness. He does not lead you um, through anything that Jesus delivered you from right? He delivered us from poverty, sickness, death. What, what he redeemed us from, God did not put that on you, but he is actually with you and will lead you out. Sometimes there's, let's be real, sometimes there's, there's things, valley of shadow of death, you could call it, that it's just life, where life happens. God didn't do it to you, and, but life happens. But what's amazing is, is God is with you that God is with you, that you can walk through it and still fear no evil because, not because I'm walking through, but because who I'm walking through. Because I have the good shepherd who is with me, who will walk through with me, who will not leave me, who will never leave me or forsake me, and who is what is bringing me through the other side. And the third time, the third thing I think sometimes with the valley of shadow of death, if we're real, is sometimes our choices can put us there. Like, it's like sometimes we can make choices and we put ourselves there. Like, I was talking with someone the, uh, the other day and they're like, yeah, God brought me here. And uh, really in talking around it, it was like, no, actually you, you sort of chose here. Uh, you chose here. I think of this is that Israel, God brought them through the desert Absolutely. But it, the intent was to go through the desert, say, hi, desert, see ya, and then go into the promised land. That was God's intent. 
And, and instead, when they were on the precipice, when they were right there, they sent in the spies, they came back, and they were right there, and the spy, like 10 of the 12 said, no, it's not good. They listened to them, and they chose not to go in. So their choice then caused them for 40 years to wander around in the wilderness, in the desert, which was never meant to. It was meant to get a postcard, say, hey, go upon, and then you have the grapes in the promised land. But instead, their choice brought them there. But what's amazing about God, the good shepherd, is this. What's amazing about it is even though they went in the desert, they were going around because of the choices that they made, he was still with them. He provided for them every step of the way. They didn't lack for anything. When they were in the desert, God provided. So no matter what, God is with you. Even if it's our own doing, God is with you. And if you allow him, he will lead you through and out just as he did with the Israelites. That he will bring you out. Now, I, uh, this, is, this has just recently happened um, in the last... So uh, there's some people that I meet with and mentor with, mentor and pray with and talk about things of God and all that stuff. And there was this person that I met with and uh, it's a true story. You take it as you want. Um, but I met with him, and I've been meeting with him. And so he's been coming. They've been coming to the Lord, uh, coming back to the Lord, giving their heart, everything like that. But he was also a hundred k in debt, like a mess. And it was all like no assets, anything like that. It was just debt. And so I started talking to him about godly principles with your finances. Like, I'm not going to guilt anybody into it, but I'm going to say, okay, here's what the word of God says. So I talked to him about tithing. I talked to him about, you know, scripture talks about knowing the state of your flock. In other words, um, translated um, back in olden days, um, your assets were like your herd. So know where your bank account is. Have a budget. Um, and, you know, like, you know, learn to say no. Have some as fruit of the spirit, some self-control. Now, I tell you this is, Three months, so, he, so this person was like, okay, I'm going to implement this into my life. This is crazy. Like, this is actually a miracle. Three months later, they called me, and they said God supernaturally provided, and all of his debt was wiped out. And that was mind-blowing. Now, you might be saying, no, Josiah, like, is it? No, like, this is a, like a miracle that God actually delivered this person out of this, this debt, and it was absolutely crazy. And to be frank, their choices put them there. But they decided, you know what, I'm going to actually now start following the ways of the great shepherd, and the great shepherd, I, like, honestly, I couldn't tell you how it all happened, but it was a miraculous miracle of how God, the good shepherd, got them out of that. So I, I, I think of even if we sometimes put ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death, when we allow the good shepherd to lead us and actually follow him, that God provides. Now, will it be like that? Maybe. Maybe it'll be a process. But he will lead you out if you follow him. So I think the valley can really represent challenges or adversity. But also, I think it's a picture of salvation. Is that the, the wages of sin or death, that we were, humanity, mankind was in the valley. We could see the shadow of death. That it was over us. That, that there was nothing we could do. We can't get out. 
But in 2 Corinthians 5.11, it says, He who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That he redeemed us. That he redeemed us. That the great shepherd actually removed us out of that place. That he, it, because now we don't have to fear that. Because why? Because he is with us. He is with us. That I actually, when Jesus, he began his ministry in, in Galilee, um, it's recorded actually about how he says that he would bring prophecies saying that he would bring people out of darkness, the shadow, into light. We'll quickly go there is Matthew 4, verse 13. Matthew 4, verse 13, it says this. Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and uh, Naphtali, um, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah. That's in Isaiah 8, if you're curious. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee and of Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, Jesus. And upon those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began preaching and saying, repent or turn. Where are you turning to? Repent means to turn. Turn to follow me. Jesus began to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand or the kingdom of of heaven is here. So it's a, it's a prophecy saying those who were in the shadow of death that now we can turn, that we can follow him and he leads us out. As the worship team comes up, I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you with this. Is that you might be going through a valley of the shadow of death. It might be one where just life has happened. It might be that God is leading you through to the other side. Or it might be choices that, that we make. But something that we can do is like the psalm says. says, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? This is key. Because you are with me. Because you are with me. See, God today is with you. He is for you. He loves you. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Why? Because he cares for you. So no matter what you're going through today, you can actually be of courage because the Lord is with you. The good shepherd is with you. And he's, he's actually willing to take you through the process of restoring, of restoration. I just want to pray right now for that. Father, I thank you that God, you are good. Lord, we say you are faithful. Father, I thank you that you are the good shepherd. And that we might have things that are around us that feel like we are in the valley of the shadow of death. 
Maybe we feel like the Israelites where we see the Egyptians and the pressure is coming on and there needs to be something. And there needs to be God you to move to change something. Father, I thank you that God that you are the God of breakthrough, that you are the God of miracles, that you love us so much that you don't leave us, but that you lead us. Father, I thank you that you lead us, that you are with us. Father, I pray that courage would arise, faith arise. And Father, we know that he who began a good work, that you began a good work, that you will bring it to completion. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for the Thrive Church Podcast. We hope this message encouraged you, built your faith, and helped you thrive with God and thrive in life. We would love to see you on a Sunday soon, in person or online. You can get all the information at thrivecalgary.ca. If you would like to support a partner with Thrive Church financially, you can do so by going to thrivecalgary.ca and click the Give button. No God is for you. We love you and have a great week. Thank you.